wish to preach to you this morning from the title, The Chains of Our Business. The Chains of Our Business. Please pray with me. And now, most holy and merciful God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we ask that the words of my mouth and that the meditations of all of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight. O oh God, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Hey, you know what's weird? Everyone is busy. Did you ever notice that before? That no matter who it is, it seems like, if you ask someone how they're doing, they'll almost always say, well, I've been busy. And it's totally ubiquitous, almost completely universal. Whether you're talking to a parent or a teenager or someone who's retired, it seems like unless someone has a, a mobility issue or, or, or a medical problem, nearly everyone you come in contact with would describe themselves as being busy. I first started to notice it when I was in seminary, actually. And we were busy back then, let me tell you. I did the math one semester, and to keep up, I would have... I figured I would have had to read 120 pages a night, and I had over 60 pages of work to turn in in one 15-week semester. We were busy. It was probably the busiest semester of our lives. But when we would get together, all the students would brag about how little sleep we got. Someone would pipe up and say, oh, I'm sorry, I only got four hours of sleep last night. Oh, oh, must be nice. I got two. And somebody else like, well, I haven't slept since the semester began. <laughs> or we would talk about how many cups of coffee it would take just to get us through the day. As if we needed it just to keep on living. I assumed that all that would be over after I graduated and got appointed to my first church. Finally, I thought I'll be around normal people with normal schedules who have a little bit of time on their hands to devote to Jesus. Now, <laughs> now I hear it more than ever. Every time I go to the grocery store and I happen to see someone who who maybe hasn't been to church for a while. They just throw it out there across the aisle, Vicar, I've been busy. I didn't even say hi to them yet. <laughs> and it's like the ultimate trump card, the ultimate doctor's note for everything, you know? Just once I would really like, now you can't say this, but I'd like to say, oh, you know who's been busy? Levi cleaning the church to make it all nice for you on Sunday morning. <laughs> Jeff's been pretty busy practicing his music. Well, I've been busy finding a word, you know, from the Lord. <laughs> but you can't do that. Because we're all busy and we have to respect one another's busyness. You know, that's where the term business comes from. 
right? It's, it's literally your busyness. That's how the word evolved over time. Your business isn't exactly what you do to make money. It's whatever you do that keeps you busy. Whether you work at a job at a store or an office or a factory or, or whether you stay at home and take care of the kids and manage the house, whatever it is that keeps your attention, that demands your time. And that word, busy, a lot of people don't know it actually comes from an old English word, the word bissig. And the funny thing about bissig is that it doesn't mean occupied. It doesn't mean diligent or industrious or, or any of those kinds of things we would expect the word for busy to mean. Bissig actually means anxious, unsettled, beset. Imagine how differently we would think about being busy. If every time you asked someone how they were doing, they replied, well, you know, I've been anxious. Or, you know, just trying to keep myself unsettled. Just a beset little bee. <laughs> or imagine if every time someone inquired after your business, they asked you, hey, how's your anxiety going? This is the thing that people don't get about Ebenezer Scrooge. Everyone always wants to talk about his greed. The rich old miser who can't spare a dollar for a beggar or an extra lump of coal for his clerk to warm his hands. And that's all very true. He is a greedy character. But when Scrooge meets the ghost of his old partner, Jacob Marley. What he is confronted with is not his love of money, but it's his love of business. When Marley's ghost first appears to Scrooge in his cold bedchamber on Christmas Eve, if you think back to all those movies you've probably seen over the years, he's bound, right? He's bound with thick chains across his body and around his torso. But they aren't just chains. They aren't just made of iron or steel. The chains are made of keys and padlocks and cash boxes and ledgers and deeds in purses made out of steel. The chains of Jacob Marley, the chains he drags about him as he stumbles through eternity are made of the implements of his business. The fact that he and Scrooge were moneylenders is almost completely ancillary at this point in the story. You get the sense that had they been textile workers, the chains would be made out of looms and sewing machines. Or had they been homemakers, the chains would have been made out of vacuum cleaners or high chairs. The point is that Marley is weighed down by his busyness. 
his soul, unable to fly to heaven, having been anchored to the earth by the cares and worries of his former life. He even says it. Marley tells Scrooge, I wear the chain I forged in life. I made it link by link and yard by yard. I girded it on of my own free will, and of my own free will I wore it. Is its pattern strange to you, Scrooge? Or would you know the weight and the length of the strong coil you bear yourself? You have labored on it, and it is a ponderous chain. Ponderous is a beautiful old word. It just means heavy, full of pounds, unwieldy. It is a ponderous chain. What he's saying there is that you have your own chain, Ebenezer. You've been working on it diligently all these years, putting it together for yourself, crafting it with your own cares, your own worries, your own endless diligence, while you have forgotten the people around you. At this point, as the ghost is warning Ebenezer Scrooge, he's getting more and more upset, talking about his sorry state and, 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 and trying to steer his old friend onto a better path. And Scrooge is actually moved and he actually tries to console the ghost by saying, but you were always a good man of business, Jacob. As if that's the nicest thing Scrooge could find to say about his oldest friend, his only friend, his partner for years and years. But you were a good man of business. My business! cried the ghost, wringing his hands again. Mankind was supposed to be my business. The common welfare was my business. Charity and mercy and forbearance and benevolence were all my business. The dealings of my trade were but a drop of water in the comprehensive ocean of my business. This is where the movies get it wrong, I think. They tend to focus on the scariness of the ghost, right? The fact that you can see through him and he's got these big chains and his jaw hangs down. The special effects and, 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 and the terror across Ebenezer Scrooge's face. And I get it. This is the first place in the movie where the filmmaker can add a little bit of pizzazz to the story. But what they all seem to miss is the pain of Jacob Marley. The regret he carries in those chains and the sincerity of his pleading out to his friend. In the book, 
it comes out that Marley is cursed to walk the earth in these chains so that he can witness the pain of his fellow men and women, so that he can, can see the way everyone still alive on earth is, is caught up in their own busyness, but, but he's powerless to stop them. It goes unsaid as to whether this is Marley's eternal hell or just a purgatory from which he'll eventually escape. But the point is that for the past seven years, he's had to wander and watch. He's had to look, to see, to notice the men in the women, the boys in the girls, that he was too preoccupied to really see before. He says, at this time of the rolling year, I suffer most. Why did I walk through crowds of fellow beings with my eyes turned down and never raise them to that blessed star which led the wise men to a poor abode? Were there no poor homes to which its light could have conducted me. For most people, the story of Ebenezer Scrooge is a Christmas story, but not necessarily a Christian story. But when you read the actual book by Charles Dickens, as I encourage you all to do this Advent, there are just little touches, subtle brushstrokes of Christ peppered throughout the text that lead us back over and over again to the poverty and the humility and the common humanity into which God was born. It may not be a book about Christ, but I believe it is a book that is, in the words of Flannery O'Connor, haunted by Christ. That Christ is on every page, in every character, calling Ebenezer Scrooge to redemption, but also calling us. The sins of Marley and Scrooge reside not merely in their greed, but in their inattention. Their sin was not just in their wallets, their ledgers, in their pocketbooks, but their sin was in their cast-down eyes. Eyes that were cast down upon their ledgers, on their accounts, on the chains of busyness with which they, they, they thought their lives had meaning. But those eyes were meant for more holy sights, we're told. Those eyes were meant for friends and loved ones. Those eyes were meant for the poor and the destitute. Those eyes were meant for the star of Bethlehem, leading them to Jesus. 
And so I ask you at the beginning of this Advent season, where are your eyes cast? Are they cast down on the business that fills your days? Are they cast down on the preparations and the parties, the gifts and the gadgets? Are they cast down on the resentments and the grudges, the petty grievances and the endless tasks? Are your eyes cast down on the chains that keep you anchored to this world? Or do your eyes search for more holy sights? Do they look left and right to find brothers and sisters that need your love, your attention, and your tender care? Do they scan the horizon for a glimpse of a brighter future? Or from time to time do they dart up to the sky to look for that mysterious star above to lead them to Christ? I know. You're busy. We're all busy. But this Christmas, I hope you'll come to know, or at least to appreciate in a new way, just how busy God is trying to lead us home. These words I offer to you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Grace and peace, brothers and sisters, from our Lord Jesus Christ in the United Methodist Church of Uniontown. I'm Vicar Derek Kabilis, and I have a sermon for you today. Today's sermon was preached on December 1st, 2019, the first Sunday of Advent. And this Advent is going to be a little different than what we are used to. This Advent, all of our sermons will follow a common theme around Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. The scripture lesson for this week comes from Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 40. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another, as a shepherd she separates the sheep from the goats. That was kind of hard to say. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance in the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in, uh, naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you visited me. 
Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry or feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you as a stranger and invite you in or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? And the king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers or sisters of mine, you did for me. Today's sermon is the chains of our business. I hope it speaks to your heart.